Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Padres On Deck Podcast. We're taking a look at the Padres selections in last week's MLB draft, starting with the third overall pick, left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore, who is expected to sign with the Padres this afternoon. The Dust Devils in summer leagues that started games last week and break down the first half of the Padres' full-season affiliates in this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. Welcome, Padres fans, to the third edition of Padres On Deck Podcast. Uh, this is Bill Center, and I am joined today again by David J. Hey there, Bill. And John Connors. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good. Of MadFriars.com, and you find them on Twitter. I mean, okay, MadFriars.com, and you find them on Twitter at MadFriars. Again, my name is Bill Center. I am at uh, Padres.com slash FriarWire and at Padres Central. And, guys, we've had a draft since we last talked. So we're going to start today's uh, show with uh, talking about the draft. Mackenzie Gore is in San Diego. He's signing his contract. He's meeting with the media uh, today. And uh, we're Saturday, and we're going to start. I'm going to throw it open uh, first, I'm going to start with uh, John. Take me through the draft as you saw it, and give me some comparisons as to how you saw this draft the last year. Well, the first one is they didn't have as many picks as they did last year. Uh, it was a higher pick. It was Mackenzie Gore. We had had a piece on our uh, website. We interviewed both uh, Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline and John Manuel of Baseball America who thought that McKenzie Gore would be the Padres' pick. And what I thought was interesting was, even though there was a lot of attention around Hunter Green, Gore was the guy who both of them liked the most. They liked him because he's left-handed. He's very athletic. He actually is a, was going to go to college as a position player playing center field and pitching at East Carolina. Throws around 92 to 97, had better secondary uh, offerings, a little bit better change-up. And again, I mean, not to put too much emphasis on Gore, but I think as David's going to talk, you know, out of the, the draft pool, Gore's going to represent over 55% of the total bonuses. So he's a very important uh, guy to get. And from everything I've read, I'm really looking forward to seeing him on our visits out to the minor league affiliates. David, what do you think of this year's draft? <clears throat> well, I, you know, it is a very different situation for the organization than they were in 12 months ago you know last year they had three picks in the first round this year obviously just the one uh and in a lot of ways it will certainly come down to to Mackenzie Gore uh you look beyond that in the in the first 10 rounds they were certainly aggressive with some high schoolers uh they went high school for their first uh six picks overall um, and if you look at the class, it tells you a lot about the state of the organization. I think as as a whole, out of the 40 rounds, I think they called two names as guys who played middle infield positions. That's simply a reflection of, of the number of young guys they've got who are up the middle uh, defensively on the infield. They called 
put five guys as catchers and they they had two other guys when i saw them on monday out at the peoria sports complex who even though they didn't call them as for as catchers were uh having their first workout with the catchers group so if if you wanted to get a sense of what the organization thought they had uh that's that's a pretty good way to get a look at it very interesting to me is the fact that they did draft the first six picks this year were high schoolers. Last year, only one in the first four, uh, and then they had, and then they drafted, of course, the two pitchers, uh, Reggie Lawson and Mason Thompson. It's a younger draft, like you said. They didn't have as many uh, as many first round picks. Only a third that they had last year. And to me, the the drafting of Luis Campanzano, Rosero, and Blake Hunt. As catchers in the in the second and third round was uh, very interesting to me, um, David. I know that you study how the how the money is allotted and slotted to different players uh, over over the draft. I mean, the first ten rounds, you've got so much money that you can spend, and if you can save a little bit on your first couple choices, you can lose you can use it later on guys that might have college commitments. How do you see this breaking out for the Padres this year? Well, now that the guys from the first 10 rounds are in, uh, it looks like the club has just a little bit under a half million dollars that they can allocate to go to those uh, picks from the 11th round and later uh, beyond the $125,000 per player limit that that sits there. So they essentially have a chance to make a run at either one kid who would be getting something close to the equivalent of of third round money, uh, late second round money, or they can sort of spread it around and try and bring in a couple of kids at the equivalent of a fourth or fifth round uh, signing bonus. And when you look at uh, who's who's left for them to target out of that group, the you, you're looking mostly at the high school kids. Uh, 15th round, they took uh, Cody Bellinger's kid brother, Cole, who's a pitcher. 16th round, they took a left-handed pitcher from Hawaii. Uh, and then 18th round, they took a Juco pitcher as well, Cam Sanders. You figure those guys and uh, the kid from here in San Diego at Madison High, Kevin Abel, are the guys they're most likely to be able to make a run at. Uh, and you know they've got between now and, and early July to come to agreement and figure that out. So uh, still a little bit of work to be done, but certainly they're – here we are, what, all of nine days after the end of the draft, and the heavy lifting for this draft class is already taken care of. David, interesting you mentioned Kevin Abel. Now, he's a 35th-round pick. Was he that low because of his college commitment? And, I mean, would you want to go over slot uh, for, a, for a player that far down? Yeah, I mean, he, the, the, one of the things that I think people need to recognize is that dollar level for a signing bonus and what the ultimate ceiling of a player is are not always directly correlated. I mean, you've got a lot of different factors. 
you know, there's the the Padres had a high school kid that they took uh, out of the Bronx who's a first baseman who, you know, didn't really have much of a college commitment. So it's a lot easier to talk him into signing a bonus than it is a kid who has a really good academic opportunity ahead of him. You know, uh, Abel has a, a commitment to Oregon State, which is one of the top baseball programs in the country. Uh, but, you know, he is a local kid. There's a lot to like about him. He's, you know, depending on, on whose list you look at, he's been a top 100 sort of guy, a top several hundred sort of guy. And you would think that there will be at least some conversation with him. You know, when you look at last year's draft, it gives you, it gives me hope. And I'm going to throw it open to you guys here in a minute on the same subject. When you look at last year's draft and how uh, many of those guys have progressed already, it gives me hope uh, for this year's draft that these guys, that Treller's scouting group has a pretty good eye on talent. And I'm just wondering, when you look at last year's draft class compared to this year's draft class. Are there any players out there in this year's uh, group uh, beyond the first couple that you think this guy is going to light up when he, uh, when he reaches the rookie ball season? David? Uh, well, and you know, a lot of these are, are guys obviously that we have not had a chance to see. We, we do a lot of trekking to get to each of the affiliates and that's more than enough to keep us busy most of the time. You know, certainly you look at, at the high school kids who have a really different profile uh, than certainly the Eric Lowers and Joey Lucchese's of the world who came in as, as, you know, pretty refined products. Uh, the one guy who I'm really interested to see is uh, Olivier uh, Basabe, the middle infielder they took out of Faulkner, a little school down in Alabama. Uh, he is from a baseball family. He, he has uh, twin brothers who have been stateside for a few years. Uh, he came through a really interesting program at Indian River Community College before he went to Faulkner. Uh, I saw him. He, he's definitely a physical specimen on the field. So. I'm intrigued by him, but I, I don't have much more insight than that. John? With David, oh, John, uh, you with us? The, oh. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me okay? I'm sorry. The, playing on what David Oh, playing on what David said is the first six picks were high school guys, so they're pretty, they're going to be in Arizona at the rookie level for the full year. So they're not going to obviously move as quickly it's a Quantrill and Lowers and Lucchese's. But, you know, I think that's, you know, it's kind of a lot to dream on, a lot of talent. A uh, guy, if I got a pick for a sleeper pick, might be uh, Jalen Washington, who was like a 39th-round pick out of Ohio State. And just because it's interesting that he was a very good catcher, and then they moved him to shortstop for his senior year, and he played well there, and then the Padres are moving him back to catcher. And he should be a, he should be either number one or should be at a lot of playing time in Tri-Cities. But, as David said, you know, we really pride ourselves on going out to see these guys. And just we we're kind of going off what some of our friends at Baseball American and MLB Pipeline have told us so far. So uh, there should be a lot to watch. Uh, one fun note I've on Washington. Go ahead. Uh, one fun note on Washington is that, that when the Padres brought him into their uh, workout group, he actually worked out for them behind the plate at middle infield and in the outfield. So, um, wow. You know, certainly showing some versatility. 
you know, the guy I'm anxious to see is the compensation pick uh, be um, Blake Hunt. Um, I, I really, uh, I saw some film of him, and he looks like a player. And and with the third round pick too, the, the Mason House, that uh, those mm-hmm. those guys physically, <laughs> they have great looking uh, tools. We're going to turn now to. Um, I would imagine both are both of you going to be in Arizona soon to see the rookie uh, league teams and there are two. Um, either David should be there or one of our other writers, Kevin Charity, will be in Arizona. Hopefully, I will be up in Tri City sometime in the next few weeks to see some of the Tri City guys. And then uh, the plan is to go to El Paso for the second half, and then uh, maybe get David out to San Antonio or Fort Wayne and. And we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, we definitely plan to drop and uh, see a lot of the guys at uh, the lower levels. That's kind of a bigger emphasis with us right now. So I'm going to throw it out to John here. We, all the changes that we've got with the San Antonio course, the double-A going to Amarillo, triple-A coming to San Antonio. Uh, they did it before they got their new stadium built. And uh, Colorado Springs losing uh, their triple-A team going to rookie ball. How do you see this all shaking out, and how do you think it's going to affect the uh, Padres, John? I think the Padres will still be with the Elmore Group, and I think they'll eventually go to Amarillo, which uh, you know we've kind of known this for a couple of years, and there was some kind of discussion about when they would announce this. Um, you know, they'll have a brand-new stadium there, and uh, it should be a really good location. Initially, the Padres weren't that crazy to get a AAA in El Paso, and this worked out really well. And, of course, I'm looking forward to buying and seeing if David can eat a 72-ounce steak in Amarillo. It should be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I remember when the Padres were in Tucson, and at one point there was talk about them moving their AAA franchise to San Antonio and having having the uh, AA team uh, be moved to another city. That was before El Paso, of course, bought the Padres from Tucson, uh, and I mean, yeah, but the Chihuahuas from the Padres and built the new, uh, Southwest university park, which is an amazing place. Um, David, do you see the Padres staying with the Elmore group, no matter what? Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of variables there and some of it will have to do with, you know, certainly logistically Amarillo is not quite as easy to deal with as San Antonio for getting people in and out, uh, both players and the, the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I, I think most player development contracts, which generally run two years between the big league clubs and their minor league affiliates, I think you know most of those are are solid, but it also depends on what else happens. You know, if the Texas Rangers go looking for a new AAA affiliate, it may very well be that as much as the working relationship with El Paso is good, the folks in El Paso decide that that's a partnership they can't pass on, and then the Padres are left looking for a different AAA partner. But you know, all of that's going to happen starting late next summer. Uh, and won't change anything until the start of the 2019 season. So I think there's plenty of of ground to be trod before then. We're going to change subjects here for a moment. Uh, Carlos Aswahi was called up by the Padres with uh, the to fill in for the loss of uh, Jan Hervis Solarte, uh, who went on the disabled list with a. Uh, a left oblique uh, strain, and those things can take anywhere from two to three weeks to six, seven weeks. 
account another move associated with that. Jose Rondon uh, moves from Double A San Antonio to Triple A El Paso, and it's interesting to me that in the last week, two players from San Antonio ticketed for the Texas League All Star Game, uh, Rondon and uh, right-handed reliever. Eric Yardley both find themselves in El Paso now, which might open up the spot for a couple other players. But the bigger question is, is this the start of movement in the Padres system? And what players do you see uh, moving quickly as we start the second half of this season? And David, we'll open with you. Sure. Well, uh, Yardley bounced back down to San Antonio. He really just popped up to, to fill a gap for a day uh and and was really helpful and i think certainly right now a lot of what we're seeing is uh more organizational need moves than they are necessarily long-term strategy moves uh you know yesterday there was a, a group of movements because uh, third baseman at san antonio river stevens went on the dl so you saw some moves there um you know i i think the organization right now because of the way the the couple of days off at the big league level and the fact that they've got three big league starters who are all out on rehab assignments means that you know the organization had some flexibility right now to be able <coughs> excuse me uh, be able to carry a few more position guys so you see Sanchez come off the DL you see Asuaje come up but I I wouldn't be surprised if his uh, if if Carlos's stay with the big league club this time isn't a lot longer than the first one he had this season, um, but but yes, absolutely, we're at the time of year when you would expect to see some of the more strategic moves uh, of promotions happening, not just those sorts of uh, move because of need situations, and I suspect we'll see that you know the the Texas League All Star Game is this coming Tuesday. Uh, and I would guess that that as they get back to play, we'll see some moves start to happen. Okay, David, real quick, and then to, to John right after that. Give me your first three, uh, as you call them, strategic moves. Well, I think from the pitching side, you you likely see uh, Michael Kelly get up to AAA, uh, probably Lloyd going back up there with him. And then I would guess you see the two lefties from Elsinore get up to San Antonio, but I've been guessing that for a month. So I'll keep saying it and eventually it'll be true. John. Yeah, I would echo what David said, only I think you'll see maybe Quantrill come up there and maybe a, a couple of weeks, maybe after Lucchese and Lauer. And once he goes up, I think Logan Allen, he's been one of the best pitchers in Midwest League. You know, I think should have been up a while ago. Will be up in uh, Lake Elsinore. That'd be the other guy I would see. Position-wise, I don't see uh, a whole lot of movement really coming down. Um, mainly, I think we're we're kind of focused on the pitchers right now. Okay, if you've got two pitchers moving from uh, single A, like you got Lauer and Lucchese moving from single A to double A, you got to give me a second pitcher from. Uh, uh, from Fort Wayne to um, to Lake Elsinore, John. What's yours? You know, that's kind of tough to to say right now. I mean, all those guys are are so young. They might just go to more of a five man staff, and uh, okay. in Lake Elsinore they could keep Jerry Keel, who just got sent down from San Antonio. He's pitched well. He should be there, along with Allen, Jake, Jake, uh, Jake Nix, 
and those guys, and maybe a little bit more Jesse Schlotten's will pitch. And they got a whole bunch of guys that can kind of bring up to Fort Wayne. You know, Jim McDade is someone who was our AZL pitch of the year last year, is an undrafted uh, free agent. He could pop back up there pretty quick. But uh, we, the, one of the really interesting movements is going to be some of the guys from extended in the Tri-Cities uh, this year, and that's what we're kind of looking forward to seeing some of those players. All right, we're going to close this episode of uh, Padres on Deck uh, podcast. Uh, I've got uh, first half of the season ended earlier this week for the all the full-season uh, minor league affiliates. And I'm going to ask each of you, starting with uh, David, what's the biggest surprise? What's the best feel-good story of the first half for you? Boy, I think the, the, there are three that really stand out to me. One is that Franchi Cordero is already at the big league level. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and, and what a surprise that was for me. Uh, certainly, I think Lucchese and the way he's performed at in the Cal league has been uh, really remarkable. You know, you look at, at what Lauer's done and everybody sort of expected that that was what he'd be able to do in his first professional year. Uh, Lucchese was much more of an unknown and, and certainly it's been fun to watch him. Uh, and then for me, the, the third is, is the way that that San Antonio club gelled and you've got a bunch of guys who are really, you know, not, not very much on the radar, uh, in the in the rotation, guys like Brett Kennedy, like Michael Kelly, even Daniel De Los Santos, the entirety of that bullpen, which all of those are guys who have a really good case to be made that they're future big league relievers and, and valuable relievers. And some of the ways uh, a couple of the lesser known uh, position guys, especially Fran Mil Reyes, have really taken steps forward this year. To me, what's happened out there in the Texas League has been uh, the the best story of the first half. But I do think organizationally, by far, the second half is going to be a lot more important with all of these young guys getting a, getting going and seeing what happens in Fort Wayne as these as that young group really gets settled into. Uh, being able to convert their talent into on-field performance a little bit more. John? Well, I mean, I would echo what David said. I mean, I, I really like how well Michael Kelly has performed, and he's always had a world of talent. But to me, I think the biggest story is, I think we knew how good Fernando Tatis was, was going to be, but I don't think we knew it would be this good this quick. And he has really emerged as you know someone that, has a lot to dream on for Padres fans. I mean, you could see a six foot three and eventually 215 pound power hitting shortstop in the middle of the field. And, you know, he's a ways away from that, but man, it's, it's fun to think about right now. And Tatis is a very, very interesting player for me. And I, and like, I'm like you guys, I chart this stuff every day. What San Antonio has done this year, right now, I think they're 42 and 30 overall. They were the first half champions of the Texas League Southern Division. Uh, they lead the Texas League in earned run average, strikeouts, whip, uh, almost every pitching category that you can name. And it's been not one guy or two guys. It's almost staff-wide. To me, that has been the feel-good story thus far. And like we know, Luis Urias is there. That he's he's a future major leaguer. 
I think Jose Rondon has put himself back on the map at San Antonio. And like you mentioned, Fran Mule Reyes has had an, ex- an, an outstanding season thus far. And then you throw in guys like Ty France, and it, it's a very interesting combination. Uh, closing thoughts. I'm going to take uh, closing thoughts, and we're going to wrap it up. David, real quick. Uh, you know, the start of the AZL this week is going to be a lot of fun to watch. It really is amazing. You look across the organization. I was uh, standing out there Monday, the fourth guy running on the middle infield drills with the group that's been out at extended all year, you know, is, is a really talented guy who'd almost certainly be one of the must watch guys in most organizations right now. And he is absolutely buried a guy like Kelvin Alarcon, uh, and and that's just pretty remarkable. So, you know, the next few weeks are going to be a fascinating time to start to see how these guys actually perform that have been out on the desert for the last, you know, three months. John? Well, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about the first half, but I think one thing that Padre fans should keep an eye on is, you know, what's going to go on in Tri-Cities with Adrian Morahone and Luis Homanzar. You're going to start seeing some of the guys that we've talked about so much that were the big money signings in the international market. And I uh, hope we can follow along both by leading you and leading us. And uh, hopefully it's the start of a lot of uh, good stories for the Padres minor league system. Let's hope this is the start of something big. They are John Conniff and David J of madfriars.com. And you find them on Twitter at madfriars. I am Bill Center of Padres.com slash FriarWire and at Padres Central. And I thank you for joining us. We are wrapping up the uh, third. This is the wrap-up of the third Padres On Deck podcast. We'll see. talk to you all in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill.